0: This episode of All My Friends Are in Bar Bands was recorded on the land of the Gadigal Wongal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to elders past and present, and we acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded, and this always was, always will be, Aboriginal land. Enjoy the episode. Hey folks, David James Young here for another week of All My Friends Are In Bar Bands. It's been a while, I do apologise for that. Uh, I have been pretty busy the last couple weeks. Uh, I was in Brisbane the last two Fridays, uh, which was why I couldn't get anything up in time, unfortunately. But, Back with a Vengeance now, and a big old archive to work my way through. I have a really, really great bunch of guests coming up, but before I do that, I really needed to get this one out, because it's been a really fucking long time. Uh, so, this was recorded way back in late February, if you can believe it, and it is only seeing the light of day now, why it has taken so long... To get this out in the schedule, I have absolutely no idea, but look, it's here now, and that's the main thing. This week's guest is Barry Johnson. Barry is the lead singer, guitarist, and chief songwriter of American band Joyce Manor. They came back to Australia earlier this year in support of their fantastic 2018 album Million Dollars to Kill Me. I got to see them twice on that tour. They played at the Oxford Art Factory in Sydney, where this was recorded, and they also did a set at Farmer and the Owl Festival back in the start of March uh in Wollongong, alongside previous guests of the show Deaf Heaven, previous guests of the show Hockey Dad, and a bunch of other artists. It was uh really quite a quite a hell of a day i 've got to say it was it was really, really something had such an awesome time there. And uh, yeah, I'm really excited to be sharing this one with you. Barry is a real straight shooter. He's very candid. He's very honest. Uh, Yeah, he gets into the details of uh, the very quick ascent of Joyce Manor within the local scene, uh, the politics that came with that. uh, And Kind of everything that's been going on with the band in the last decade or so. It's not a super long chat, but then again, it's Joyce Manor, so it's understandable that everything's done within 25 minutes. <laughs> want to give a big thank you to Kat Clark over at Cooking Vinyl Australia for helping to set this one up. Also, a big congratulations to her and her partner Boo uh, for their upcoming new release, shall we say. <laughs> Uh, And, of course, a big thank you to Barry and the Joyce Manor crew uh, for agreeing to do this and uh, for having me along to the show as well. It was a fantastic gig. uh, Still one of my favourites that I've been to this year, absolutely. Won't leave you too much longer. Just a quick reminder, as always, that if you like what you hear, it would mean the world if you could leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, rate the podcast five stars and subscribe to this podcast wherever you get podcasts from. We are on Stitcher, we are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, basically any app that you can think of. You can type in bar bands and we will be there at your service. If you have any friends that you think might be interested in this podcast, I'm sure you have a few friends that are Joyce Manor fans. Please hit them up. Let them know what we're doing over here. Please send them our way. We would love to hear from them and from you. And of course, if you have a couple of bucks lying around, then please consider supporting this podcast over on Patreon. For as little as $1 a month, you can help to support me, David James Young, and this podcast, and everything else that I do in the creative realm. So that's my writing, uh, playlist curating, interviewing, songwriting, all of that sort of stuff. Yeah, I've got my finger in a lot of pies, and uh, (laughs) in order to afford the pie, I need your help. So if that is at all of interest, head on over to patreon.com slash davidjamesyoung and let's make a deal. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash davidjamesyoung. In the meantime, if you want to get in touch, barbandspod at gmail.com, b-a-r-b-a-n-d-s-p-o-d at gmail.com. We are open for business as always, so if you have any interest in pitching a guest for the podcast, uh, sponsoring the podcast, uh, feedback, positive and negative. I'm i am very open to all of it. Uh, yeah, please drop me a line over at barbandspod at gmail.com. Okay, fantastic. That is it for now. So let's cross over to my chat with Barry Johnson from Joyce Manor. David James Young and all my friends are in bar bands. Today I would like to introduce you to my friend Barry Johnson. How's it going? It's going very well, mate. How are you? Doing good, thanks. Excellent to hear. It is Wednesday afternoon and we are at the Oxford Art Factory in Sydney and Joyce and Nana are back for a headlining run. Is this your first proper first headline? One, yeah, Yeah. One, yeah. excellent. How's it, how's it feel?
1: Good, yeah. Do I mean, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, we haven't played, <laughs> we haven't played any shows, so. Oh, well, I'll, well, let, yeah. I'll let you know in a couple of days true yeah <laughs> but so far so good
0: do you remember the first time you guys came out here I do in
1: 2013 yeah 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 It's cool
0: yeah nice one you've been out a bunch of times since then have there been any particular highlights in terms of venues you've gotten to play oh yeah
1: the first time we did a headline show in Melbourne at a place called the Gasing the, the Gassim, 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 yeah, yeah. The that's one of my favorite shows you've ever played ever wow in the world huge and in any of the shows we've ever played it was just like perfectly chaotic but i feel like we played well and the crowd was just great and uh yeah i loved that show beautiful, it was great beautiful so
0: i begin these by tracing back the initial interest in music specifically where it changed from being something where maybe you were watching it on tv listening to it on the radio etc etc to having maybe a switch on moment where it's like this is what i want to do i want to sing i want to play guitar i want to be in a band all that sort of stuff like uh tell me a little bit about how music factored into your childhood and your upbringing etc and and indeed if there was kind of a a flick switch on moment for
1: you Mm. my earliest memories are of of uh loving music and um there's like pictures of me of like you know recreating the George Michael Faith music video oh, hell when yeah. I'm, like,
0: The revenge two? jacket?
1: <laughs> well, I, I'm just holding a tennis racket with, um. like, my foot up against the wall. <laughs> like he does in the video. He has it on the jukebox. Yeah, yeah. So, mm. like, before, like you know, I was, like, two or something like that. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Very, very little. Always a big fan of music. And then when Nirvana came out, I became pretty obsessed with Nirvana. Mm. I didn't learn how to play an instrument, really, until like, I was about 16. Right, yeah. My friend Brian just showed me, like, how uh, power chords work. Oh, sure, yeah. And I was pretty blown away that it was just the same thing
0: yeah. all the way
1: up the guitar. <laughs> and he showed me a song, and I immediately was like, that's way easier than I thought it was. Yeah. And so almost immediately, he let me borrow a guitar, and I immediately, almost immediately went home and started writing songs. From there, I wanted to play drums, so I was like, okay, well, now that I kind of know how to write a song, I want to be the drummer, so we had to find a singer, and it proved easier to find a drummer, so I was like, okay, well, I'll be the singer, so then I had to write lyrics, and then, it would, so from there, I just kind of started doing it, but yeah. it was just kind of a matter of uh, needing to, didn't really see myself being a singer, but kind of, once I, once I got a taste of it, I was like, this is kind of fun. Yeah, sure. I kind of like this. Where'd you grow up? Uh, Southern California. Like the suburbs of Southern California. Okay, yeah. So you might say it's like LA County, but it it does not feel like LA. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's kinda where it's like where the Beach Boys are from and like uh black flag and descendants. Yeah. All that kind of stuff. Put all three together you
0: get Joyce man Sure. (laughs) Hopefully, yeah. I'd I'd like to think so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean what was that immediate like scene and community for like for you like growing up? Like did you have a lot of access to, to gigs and tours and stuff like that?
1: Yeah, there was a lot of bad local bands, and then a handful of really good ones. Yeah, and the sure. really good ones didn't go on to achieve any kind of cult status or uh, like notoriety outside of the South Bay where yeah, we grew up. Yeah. But there's a couple of bands that had a huge impact on me that are relatively unknown. There's yeah. like YouTube videos of their seven inches with like 120 views or whatever. But, yeah. But the comments are all like, "This is an incredible record." Yeah, like, and um, they are. And you know, upon revisiting that stuff. It always holds up.
0: Totally. Yeah. Do you remember the first time you played live?
1: Yeah. Okay. So right right around the time I learned how to play guitar, I played in a cover band for my friend's br- at my friend's birthday party. But the first like show I ever played was when I was seventeen, and it was a uh, just a you know, living room show hmm. uh, with my ska punk band. Hell yeah. That I I wrote all the songs and uh, and I remember being super nervous, like wondering if I was gonna be able to even do it. Yeah kind of thought like i might like panic and just not be able to do it but then yeah. i found myself doing it it's a great show yeah yeah, yeah
0: was that kind of like third wave stuff like boston's and like... we
1: sounded exactly like operation ivy
0: oh sick
1: so we were four piece guitar bass drums vocals um no horns no horns no horns it was more on the <laughs> punk side it was, yeah, more, it was more like uh, suicide machines op ivy yeah, yeah 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 uh, choking victim kind of style yeah um, sick Yeah, like, our guitar player was, like, a crust guy. And, uh, yeah, and and then as that went on, we started doing less ska. I don't know why I started a ska punk band. I I just was really into (laughs) opera. Why not? I never liked Operation Ivy when I liked ska. And then I kind of discovered them when I got more into punk stuff. I was like, because I think the production value was so raw Mm. that when I was into, like, third wave ska, like... Real Big Fish and stuff, and like Mighty Mighty yeah. Boston. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was relatively slick in comparison. Sure. And so when I listened to Operation Ivy, I, I, my brain kind of couldn't like...
0: Process it. Process it, yeah. yeah.
1: But when I got later got into like mm. crass and punk stuff, yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of was like, oh, look, I rechecked out Operation Ivy and it kind of blew my mind. I was like, this right. is so good. Totally. And so to the point where like when I was first learning guitar, that's what I was super into. So I just like wrote a handful of ska punk songs. And that <laughs> actually taught, taught me a lot about like songwriting dynamics and like how to write bass lines yeah because sure. i basically like i my the first scott punk songs i wrote didn't have walking bass lines right and my friend was like these songs would be a lot better if he wrote walking and he kind of showed me how to write a walking bass line yeah yeah, yeah. so I, I think that helped me as a songwriter a lot actually I
0: know. yeah 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 so what kind of bands were you kicking around in high school was it just that one or did you have just others?
1: that yeah just that i tried out for it um kind of weezer band when i was like when i first learned guitar i tried out as the bass player for that band and when i got to practice they tuned everything down half a step yeah right and i was i had the songs i was supposed to learn i learned them in standard tuning right so i immediately like my muscle memory was i was already nervous and then once i had to tune everything down half a step i was just like thrown off yeah and so i didn't get the gig but i got a really nice email from them saying like sorry but we're gonna go with somebody else but uh yeah, I didn't play in bands until I was about 17. Right, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So was that kicking around, like, did you go to like college and stuff like that? where you kicking no. around
1: then? Or? No, I didn't really go to college. That band from when I was 17, it kind of morphed into a not-ska band. It was like more of like a straightforward punk band. Yeah, yeah. And we got pretty popular locally, Right. where we played to, like, 150 people and kids going crazy knowing every word. And so I feel like I felt pretty... Uh, Self and like, like I felt, like this is go- clearly going somewhere. This is clearly going to be what I do, and we were very committed to it. And We were like, we're gonna tour, and we only did one little West Coast tour, and uh, the band kind of imploded. And then after that, I had a handful of bands that would last like six months, but it wasn't until I started Joyce Manor that, uh, yeah, that was the first like band name I stuck with after uh, my my initial kind of high school punk band. Yeah, That actually did pretty well locally. And, you know, we had a fan base and people knew, were singing along and stuff. And so I felt pretty defeated once that fell apart. And it took me a while to kind of regain the confidence to uh, do another band. So it wasn't until I was 20, 21 or 22 that Joyce Manor started. Right. So from like 19 to 22, there was no, kind of nothing. I was just working in a restaurant.
0: Right, Yeah. So was it just friends of yours that you were like kicking around with in the local scene or was it kind of like, how did that
1: initial lineup up? Well, the guitar player of Joyce Manor was in a band, he's a few years younger than me and he was in a band that used to play with uh, our male punk band, the English Workstander. That was, me and Matt were in it. Yeah. He was kind of like a fan of that band, but he had a band that was more like just a fast punk band. and. Yeah, uh, yeah. They had recently broken up, and so I was like, oh, he was a good guitar player, so I was asking if he wanted to start a band, which was, I mean, kind of weird, because I think he was, like, 17 and I was 22, Yeah, so he was, like, he was just finishing high school, Yeah. and I was like, well, but I I just, I recognized in him something that was, like, really committed and, like, really focused on it, really serious about being in a band and, like, kind of obsessive about it, which was a quality I had as well, and, like... A lot of times when you're just, it's like your local scene, local friends, like, it's clearly just a hobby for them. It's not something they like fixate on. Yeah. And I could tell it was something he really cared a lot about and thought a lot about. And so I thought that would be really valuable if you can have someone who really believes in it as much as you do. For sure. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. When and where was the First Choice manager? show?
1: The old punk band had played with this band from Phoenix called Andrew Jackson Jihad.
0: Ah, uh, yes, previous guest of the show.
1: Yeah. Really, really good band and really good. They were. We were big fans, and and the old punk band had played with them, and so Sean from Andrew X and G had called me up and was like, "Hey, we're playing in LA. Does English Work Center want to play?" And I was like, "Oh man, we broke up, but uh, I got a new band, and I kind of didn't. Like, I had a couple songs written, but I, yeah, and I'd kind of been like, you know, like, like I should do something with these songs. And so when he said that, I was like, "All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it." Mm. So I lied and said I had a new band called Joy, and I called it Joyce Manor. <laughs> which is a name I'd been kicking around. It's an apartment building by my house. I was like, that might be a cool band name. Yeah. But I just committed to it right there. I was like, yeah, we're called Joyce Manor, ready to go. And then I just hit up Chase and was like, let's let's throw some acoustic stuff together just so we can play this show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that happened also. It was kind of opportunistic of me because it was like they were acoustic at that time, more of like a folk punk kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I kind of tailored the songs I had because they were – I'd written them on acoustic guitar anyway. I was like, I'll just kind of lean into the – folk punk aspect of this and yeah. uh, in order to maybe poach some of their fans. <laughs> and um, it didn't it end up blasting the, the acoustic thing. We pretty quickly after that got ba- a bass player and a drummer.
0: Yeah, sure. <laughs> what about the first show
1: with them? It was at the Echo Curio in Echo Park in Los Angeles. And right. uh, I think we actually ended up playing one show before that, but that was the first show that was booked and the first show that we – that made me be like, okay, I got to start a band because they were, they were starting to get popular and I really wanted to ride their coattails because they were like friends of mine who were I mean, kind of, sure. who were kind of doing it, you know? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I was like, I, I kind of felt like a failure, like my thing had fallen apart and mm. I had, I had trouble getting something really going that felt right and I was like, it's kind of, even though i was young still i was only like 21 or 22 yeah but i felt like it was like time was really running out like it was it was passing me by
0: i mean especially if you're starting young too
1: and yeah and you know like uh i had friends that were in touring bands and were kind of doing it and i I felt like a bit of a failure and so Mm. but i also felt like i was talented and I, i had decent songs yeah but i wasn't i was just like lacked the confidence or organizational skills to really get something together. So, yeah, that was, that was what kind of prompted that.
0: When did Joyce Manor become a touring band? Like, at what point along the line?
1: Quite a while after. We yeah. we played that show. Yeah. And that was in 2009, uh-huh. January 2009. So the very beginning of 2009. And then uh, a, a couple of friends of mine in Long Beach, California, had a house that would have shows. yeah, And I would just go there and hang out. And the shows were kind of like noise bands and like... Um, kind of low-key acoustic stuff, but it was very serious. It was, like, very artsy and uh, kind of stuffy. But afterwards, we would, like, get wasted and, like, put on, you know, whatever, like, not that kind of music. You know what I mean? It would turn into a party. We'd be listening to, like, Cheap Trick and stuff, getting wasted. Like, it was really fun. And then I was just kind of like – and this is before Joyce Banner. I was like, we should just start, like, a pop-punk band. like And just, like, a stupid, simple pop-punk band – we have a place to like parties to play. Like, this would be really fun. Yeah. So, once Joyce Banner got going, we quickly, we, once we got a bass player and a drummer, we started playing that house all the time. And we got pretty popular locally. Yeah. Like, kind of like the old punk band where like people were singing along going crazy at our shows. And I was like, this feels really good. And yeah. um, people we didn't know started coming to the, the shows because like word got out or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And our MySpace started to get kind of popular. And then the house got shut down. And we had a, then we would, like, get a show in L.A. and play, and, like, nobody would come. It yeah. was, like, very locally popular again. And so from about 2000, that was, like, all in 2009. We got, like, pretty popular pretty quickly, and our shows got really fun and people singing along and stuff. And then from, like, 2009 to about 2010, there was kind of a trying to figure it out again. And that's that's when it kind of started to get less fun party pop punk band and it got a little more like I guess for lack of a better word emo-y yeah the chords kind of started to change we started to do kind of more dissonant chords yeah and I think the vocals started to sound more like pissed off I was like I, I think it would be cool if there was a band that sounded like a more pissed off Weezer <laughs> yeah. like, like really you know like hooky but like it sounded like pissed yeah and so that was when we kind of decided to do that because we I just, we we'd played with a couple bands like that, and it kind of rubbed off on me, and yeah. and that's when um, I think that the Joyce Manor people think of as Joyce Manor started, yeah. started to kind of take shape, and that wasn't until about 2010.
0: Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you remember about the first time, like, uh, touring around and, uh, like, getting to play outside of your local area?
1: It didn't happen for a while, because, like, I, was li- I wasn't living with my parents, so I, I was living, I had an apartment in Long Beach, and uh, had to pay rent and stuff, so... Yeah. I was working at a restaurant and doing this band. Like I really cared about it. I really cared about the songs. All I thought about was the songs. Yeah. But um, we didn't tour really. We did like a couple West Coast tours that it was just like to nobody, pretty much. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Sure. But it's not that it's not that big of a risk. Like it's just fun to drive up to San Francisco, go to Portland. Yeah. Maybe go to Seattle. We never went into Canada. It was more of just like a road trip with friends. Like yeah, we didn't sure. make money, and so you know we would bring like ten t-shirts and like a couple CDRs, yeah, yeah, and yeah. come back with like eight t-shirts. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, so we did a few of those, but then we were in 2010. We recorded the Constant Headache EP. Yeah, that was the first thing we recorded. That was like I feel like it was this is actually good. Our friend Elliot, who we'd known for forever and, and played in. Played with and stuff. Uh, he had joined at this band called Touche Amore. Ah, uh, yes. We're kind of like a Screamo band. Yes, like,
0: indeed. Jeremy's a previous guest of the show as very well. Very sweet guy.
1: They really liked the EP and they handed it off to Joey, who runs a label called
0: 6131.
1: Yes. And they asked to put out the record. And mm-hmm. that was when we were kind of like, oh, okay, shit's happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we did the first record with 6131 and it got really good reviews and it got picked up on a lot of blogs. This is like the media fire era. Yeah, yeah. So it started to get popular and then um, we booked a U.S. tour. Mm. Actually, no. The, this uh, band Lemuria asked us to open for them on yeah. the East Coast. So we we went out and did an East Coast tour with them and it was great. Yeah, like There was kids at every guys. show singing along. People like already knew us. You know what I mean? So we didn't do a lot of those like tours to no one trying to like yeah. make it we kind of let the internet do that for us yeah like we made a i think we made good songs and a good record and put it out on a label people pay attention to hmm. and then people uh there was already a demand you know yeah. what I mean. and so then once we toured we i think came back with a little bit of money yeah. on that tour it wasn't like losing money and then the van breaks down and then like you have to call someone's parents to <laughs> fly us home you know yeah. what i mean you know like you know because we're yeah we didn't have like we were pretty poor back then sure so.
0: yeah that is fascinating though. so we like did okay it, yeah i think it's like a real inter- intergenerational thing like like something like you know band kind of getting like a following and that sort of stuff online isn't something that could have happened even like well like even like five years before that no you're
1: you know? really at the mercy of record labels totally you were like yeah like tastemaker labels so yeah Oh, that's why bands would like move to L.A. Yeah. and then when grunge happened, bands would like move to Seattle.
0: Absolutely. So you'd play yeah. the clubs, and A and
1: R people would be there. Be like, oh, there's an A person here. Let's yeah. blow them away. Yeah. And then you get signed. You have a. You're right. And then the you know you needed those channels. Yeah. And so, which I mean is essentially what happened to us. A label put it out, and yeah. then people paid attention to it because of that. And like if we'd have put out that record ourselves, it wouldn't have worked. Sure. We needed like the stamp of approval of a label that puts out stuff people like. And yeah, 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 yeah. And we do I think we we delivered on the record and then we could back it up live. Those those if you were like a DIY band before the internet, there was a lot of tours just to nobody. Yeah. Like I I I remember reading an interview with the dude from Jawbreaker talking about that. Like yeah. tours like where there are shows in Florida at some like heavy metal bar. Yeah, yeah. And they're just like, God, like this is horrible. You know what I mean? <laughs> like this is It's just depressing. So yeah. yeah, like it can really break up bands, like prematurely. For sure. So I think we were lucky in that we we didn't tour before there was any reason to tour.
0: Yeah, totally. I, I talk about this a lot with, with people I have on the podcast, like this idea that you have growing up in, like getting into music and stuff like that, this idea of making it in one way or another, like mm-hmm. having having your biopic moment where something happens yeah, is right. like, wow, you know, we've made it. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, a, it's, a, it's a trite thing, but, you know, there are plenty of things where a lot of musicians like have that career. And then something happens that you know teenage them wouldn't have believed ever Totally, happened, you know what I mean yeah. like uh, do, you, do you feel like Joyce Man has had a, a few had of those a, few, like, a yeah. few
1: exactly yeah namely I think getting signed to 6131 was yeah. huge I felt yeah. like, a, like a weight lift off me I was like wow yeah. like uh yeah that was huge and mm. then getting to put out a record on Asian Man Records was huge because uh, we were yeah. big Asian Man Records fans yeah, growing up so uh, getting to put out a record with Epitaph Sure. It was, yeah. it was big, um, and then just playing certain venues. Like we recently played the Palladium, which is where I saw it's it's like a like almost four thousand cap venue. But I saw like AFI and Rancid there yeah, growing up, yeah. and we played there recently, and it, it was uh that was very cool. Wow. But yeah, headlining show there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Dude, that's amazing. Yeah, it was very cool. That's so sick. Yeah,
0: yeah, like yeah, in terms of like I guess building up uh like a like a reputation as a as a live band and stuff like that like what have been like some of the key highlights for you over the years in terms of like getting to go certain places play certain venues like play with certain bands etc etc
1: going to japan was a bucket list thing and, and we did that in 2013 yeah. and we haven't been back but it was kind of like it was it was so great mm. the one time i feel like uh, next time i kind of would want to go i'm like maybe just for vacation. I mean, honestly, for a long time, it was just putting out a record, like a physical record. I think, I know that's really, and I often tell bands, like, you don't need to, like, press a record. I think sometimes bands press a record before anyone wants to buy one. Yeah. Because it's, like, they feel like it's legitimizing. And I totally understand that. And I felt that majorly, like, having a physical LP with your, like, music on it but since then i guess like we got to work with a producer who i really admire um rob schnaff that was
0: oh cool yeah yeah, yeah.
1: that was big being in australia for the fourth time i didn't expect that to be totally a yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah
0: what do you feel is something that you've learned from being in this band the last you know 10 years or so like in, in terms of like something that you know now that you you wish you might have known like when the band was starting out for better and for worse
1: the thing I think I've learned is any kind of relationship requires that you put care into it. Sure. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, you can't just throw up your hands at things and be like, well, this is, like, this is dead now. Mm. You know? I think it's very easy to do that, and it's very, um, like, cathartic to do that, but I think with, with anything, like a friendship or a, or like, romantic relationship or, like, a relationship that a band has you're going to have ups and downs and it's like important to like take care of the relationship and like what's important about it because it can be really easy to focus on like negative aspects that you have musically with people and that you have yeah. like personality wise but some people you spend a lot of time with yeah and it's just important to like take care of those relationships and not let things kind of fester when i was younger stuff wouldn't last because i just would uh not take care of relationships, and not take care yeah. of. Uh, if stuff got weird, I was just kind of out. I was done with it. Yeah. And this is a, a band that's had like ups and downs. You know, like we've had sure. times where I'm like, we've kind of felt like not maybe we shouldn't be doing this anymore. But you like, kind of ride it out. And so, and you're really surprised. You're like, wow, I can't believe I, there was a time when I didn't want to do this anymore. Yeah. And now, like, I, I love it again. You know, and and I guess just that. And that's something you like. You know, we've been almost been a band for ten years. So you're gonna you learn a lot about. Stuff in ten years, you know yeah
0: yeah, absolutely, but there was a
1: time around like never hung over again, where I was having a hard time with uh with it, like yeah what it what it had become, like I had a hard yeah. time with getting popular like i yeah. didn't I didn't like like playing rock venues, I yeah. kind of missed playing like DIY like smaller yeah, punk yeah. shows. And it was just a thing that I had to get used to. Yeah. And kind of like...
0: And that would have been around the time of the whole stage dive. Exactly.
1: Whole, yeah. yeah. And there was times where I was just like, man, like, like I fucking hate this. Like, fuck yeah. this. I, I didn't like being like a, a, a known person. Do you yeah. know what I mean? That was yeah, tough. Yeah. Anything that's kind of new, like, it, it takes a while to get used to. And um, so, yeah, I, I think just letting... Taking care of the stuff... Mm. taking care of your relationship with your own like notoriety yeah. and stuff like any, any kind of relationship like you just have to like take care of shit yeah for sure for sure if you want it to last and it's worth, and it's worth like having things last and seeing yeah. what, what, what plays out
0: yeah exactly exactly right yeah so I'll wrap it up here but before we do that I ask this of all of my guests now it's your time I want to know about the best and worst shows you have ever played
1: Best and worst. One of the best was in Melbourne at the ga- Gasometer. Gas- yes, yeah. the Gaso, yeah. It was like associated with, it was attached to the Weekender. Yeah, and yeah it was the like a really, show, yeah. yeah. So it was really like party atmosphere. And it was just the perfect, we've all talked about it. It was a perfect balance of being like so chaotic to the point of sloppy. But I still think we sounded good somehow. Like we, we mm. were just like on fire. Like, and the crowd was great. Worst show ever. I wish I had a better answer. Uh, we don't. We honestly haven't played that many terrible shows. I mean, We're pretty lucky. Pre- that's a
0: pretty. That's a pretty good. We, our shows are about.
1: usually. Um, I mean, like the stage dive shit sucked. Uh, yeah. Probably that show. Yeah. Not sure. a, not a fun answer, but yeah, that was a dark time.
0: I can imagine. Yeah,
1: I'm happy to talk about it, but I would kind of go on and on. But yeah, yeah. yeah, cool. yeah. Um,
0: I mean, you're, you you definitely have. Yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah. It's well documented. It was really weird.
1: Point. Yeah, it was, it was just a, a very weird time. Yeah, but, for yeah.
0: sure. And you're in a better place now, so...
1: Definitely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It, it just so much got, like, like, taken out of context and misconstrued, and it was, yeah. like, really, like, emotions were flying high, and yeah. I was really drunk, just, yeah, just confused. Yeah, of course. We're caught up in a whirlwind.
0: Yeah, yeah. The anyway. album is Million Dollars to Kill Me. Now, is that a hitman asking that question? Or? No, it
1: was, uh, I was watching um, Blink-182 live videos. Right, and there was a video, like a recommended video of Travis Barker, talking about when he was in that plane crash. Yeah, and he was talking about how like intense it was afterwards being in the hospital and how much like agony he was in, and uh, he offered his friend a million dollars to kill him. Jesus, and I was just like, that is so fucking hard. And Christ so, almighty. and it's just stuck with me. I was like, damn, like because it's just the opposite of what most people want. Yeah. Is they want money and to not die. Yeah. And he was, it's like to offer money for someone to kill you is just like, I thought it was just a very rock and roll title. I just liked it. Yeah. Well, it's a great record. Thank you very much. Appreciate that.
0: Absolute pleasure. Barry, right, thank you so much for taking the time to chat to us today. Really,
1: really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I'm David Jim Jung,
0: and all my friends.